Welcome back to Upfront. I'm Rachel O'Sullivan. With just over a week until International Women's Day, today we're joined by one of the most inspirational women in football. We are absolutely thrilled to recognize a trio of truly remarkable women as our 2021 Lantos Prize recipients. Khalida Popal is the former captain of the Afghanistan national team. In fact, she founded the team in the first place back in 2007. Since then, she's undergone countless battles, both in her own life and on behalf of her teammates. In 2021, she played an enormous part in pulling off the evacuation of the entire Afghan team when the Taliban took control. Football is the girl's identity. I'm free, I became so happy. But fast forward to today, and the team hasn't played a competitive international match for almost three years. It feels so sad because all the years of work and dedication and sacrifices as a, as a first women football players that we started, and it, it's all... It's all gone. The Taliban has banned women's sport and FIFA are refusing to recognise any Afghanistan women's teams. She's putting it all in a book with Susie Rack in the summer called My Beautiful Sisters. But today, I sat down with Khalida to discuss her latest battle with football's authorities and to hear more about her inspirational and deeply tragic story. Please note that this interview contains conversation about distressing scenes, violence and references to suicide. Well, thank you so much for joining us, Kalida. Thank you for joining us on Upfront. We're very excited to have you. How are you doing, first of all? Thank you so much. I'm so glad and happy to joining you in this podcast. Um, I'm happy and I'm, I'm fine. Good. Um, I think for our listeners, the last time many people will have heard from you um, would have been in that The Guardian when Susie Rack wrote about the, the team being evacuated and your role in that. Um, and since then, you've continued your calls for the Afghanistan women's national team to be recognised to compete because the Taliban has, has banned women's sport and, and so FIFA are refusing to recognise the team. Um, can you give our listeners a, an idea of what the latest is on that? Um, unfortunately, um, nothing has uh, changed so far. Um, as um, um, maybe listeners have read... Um, through our interviews, um, back to just give an, a little bit of update. Uh, back in 2021, when the Afghanistan fall in the hand of Taliban, um, uh, our players, the national team of Afghanistan, uh, the footballers, their lives were in a great danger. And with the international efforts that, like the teams from across the world, a team of lawyers and and advocates joined uh, our campaign to help and advocate uh, for them and lobby governments to um, to evacuate the Afghanistan women's national team and the youth players um, because of their lives being in, in great risk. Um, we managed to um, successfully uh, lobby governments and, and get the national team of Afghanistan um, to the whole squad to Australia. They are based in Melbourne um, and they are playing actively with the Melbourne uh, Victory Club and uh, and also Victory uh, League. Then youth teams are across the world and they are also playing football and continue playing football. They are currently refugees. Um, what we have been campaigning for since uh, their evacuation is um, the recognition and allowance to the to the team who who sacrificed everything and as a co-founder of the Afghanistan women's national team and and the league that we started football for for us being on the the tool and vehicle for for advocacy and activism 
we sacrificed our so many things, including uh, we have put our lives in great danger to be the voice for our voiceless sisters in Afghanistan using football as a strong tool. And that has been our foundation. And when Taliban came and took over the, the country, and, and we have advocating for, for women's rights and, and stood against the ideology of Taliban and, and people like Taliban who don't want women um, to be included in the society or take active participation in society. Do you feel ignored by FIFA? Like, how do you think they've dealt with this situation? FIFA just silently accepted without standing with us and supporting us in, in giving a message to people like Taliban that women belong to everywhere. Um, so the team that were presenting uh, representing Afghanistan a few months before the fall of Afghanistan in international FIFA tournaments, recognized tournaments, the same team now cannot uh, represent Afghanistan because FIFA is not uh, recognizing and not allowing them to represent Afghanistan because now they are in diaspora. And what they want, we have been um, sending emails, less, uh, we have sent letters where governments, um, pol- parliament members from across the world joined and sent letters. Advocates like Malala signed the letter, requested FIFA. And and across the world, more than 180,000 people signed petition requesting FIFA to allow the women of Afghanistan to represent Afghanistan from diaspora. But unfortunately, the only answer we have received is that um, this is not um, our decision. It's the decision of Afghanistan Football Federation and that they should allow and they should recognize um, then we will allow and recognize the team. And we are talking about the football federation that is actually governed by Taliban. The Taliban that shot dead women in penalty area back in, 20, um, back in 2022, I think. Um, and, and still like they're using, like recently, football um, pitches and football stadiums are used by Taliban for execution. Absolutely shocking, and you know, you touched on it there. I, the the people that came together. That article, I think, Susie Susie Rack wrote in the Guardian about that escape from Afghanistan was incredible. It's something I'd recommend uh, our, our listeners read. And and many would say, if it wasn't for your actions, the team wouldn't be out of Afghanistan at all. You know, you played a massive part in getting the squad together and the other athletes out of the country back in August 2021, as you said, when the Taliban took control. There were lots of people involved in the operation, but you were the, the bridge between them and the players. Um, if you're comfortable, take us back to, to that time. What kind of messages were you receiving from members of the team when, when the government surrendered to the Taliban? Um, so our team, um, the national team, was um, and, and any, any women's um, football players who are playing football in all levels, um, football is kind of... It's, it's still not known amongst women or in, in the country. We have, um, even before Taliban, we had um, the challenges because women's rights is still not, uh, it's still like a lot of challenges and there are many social and cultural and religious barriers that women were facing back then. And that's that was the reason that my life was in a great risk. I had to um, flee from Afghanistan um, using football for advocacy. 
So our players, um, they were advocates and, uh, and, and they were well-known and their profiles and they were minorities. Um, and so, and they did interviews, they uh, publicly spoke against Taliban and ideology of Taliban. Their photos and videos were everywhere. And uh, so when the Taliban took over the country, it was not the fear only from Taliban, but the man in the neighborhood that continuously resisted against their participation in the society in the community and against their, um, their playing, them playing football. They didn't like it and didn't want it. They had no protection, nowhere to go and seek support. And the enemies was outside the door. And so they were worried and I kept the phone, telephone was the only way to communicate with them. And I keep sending them voice messages and they were sharing um, how they were stressed and worried about their life and their profiles and and their families because they they didn't know where to hide. And and some of them even were telling me that... um, I have a gun in my hand. That's where that story really triggers me. And still, it hurts me when I remember um, a player who had dreams and hopes to represent Afghanistan. Um, And she called me in FaceTime and she showed me the gun in her hand and she was crying and she was devastated. And and she's a young woman. And and she was telling me, uh, showing me the gun and saying, hey, I have the gun in my hand and I'm sitting watching um, outside the window. If Taliban come in my home before they touch me, I'll kill myself um, because I don't want them to take me. Um, and that, that was the stories that I was receiving. One thing that I'm very grateful for is the power that sport has, especially football, the connection and the network that brings. And and that helped me to have a voice. Because as a refugee woman sitting in Denmark, thinking how can I save my sisters back in Afghanistan, the women of national team who proudly represented Afghanistan now want to kill herself. Um, in, and I started contacting people and and that's how we all came together to to lobby governments it was something that stood out in the article was the way you used that teamwork and the language you used to use when you played together when you went out to win you went out to fight and you called upon that kind of language when you were talking to your sisters who were still trying to escape to to encourage them. I thought it was it was incredible that that was something you were able to draw on. None of us had the experience of evacuation. We didn't know how to actually help someone to get out. But we really tried to navigate and, and use football techniques uh, um, to just kind of like motivate players to not give up. Um, not give up and just trust and, and like let's just push and support. And, and that language of football, like, let's not give up. It's one more. We will. We are very close to the trophy. It's like a trophy. Getting ourselves to the plane is trophy of a World Cup or a championship. And for Afghanistan women's national team, 
our trophies or championship has never been the one that's celebrated around the world from very day one. They didn't even manage to actually say goodbye to their families and loved ones. And that was the toughest. And But still, they managed to stay together strong. It is about standing together as unit and and supporting each other and and being the voice for those who who lost their voices or don't have the voice it's it's incredible how powerful it can be um the sport but you know when you use it in other areas of life it's it's yeah i can't imagine um I read Narjez Maeli's comments, one of the players who now lives in Doncaster, saying that I have nothing in my life right now, but the only thing I know is that if I put Kalida as my role model, I'm going to be successful someday. How do words like that make you feel? Um, I am happy um, and, and grateful because um, they have someone to look up to. Um, but I feel also responsible because every th- action I take, there's someone who sees and get inspired by. And what I want in my life is to, what I believe as a human being, if I was a footballer, when I retired and, and now I'm a refugee and, and leading an organization, it's about how can we contribute positively in the society? How can we play as a human being our part in this world? Because we are part of a puzzle, a big puzzle. And that's what I'm hoping that not only the, the girls or women, but also the men see us and women like myself and others as role models and, and continue giving back to communities and societies through whatever platform they have. So you used your voice, you gave them hope, they're using their voice and hopefully giving others hope still that in the future will be different. That's all about movement, right? That's how movement starts. The girl power movement started back in Afghanistan for me um, in, in the face of Afghanistan women's football. And when we started, we were few girls in, Af- in, in our team. But when we faced uh, the social challenges and uh, resistance against women's rights and inclusion of women in the society, we started a movement through football. When you first started playing football, maybe you didn't know it could be so powerful, but what was it? What is your first memory of of football? Um, Football... um, in so many countries and as, as well as in Afghanistan is uh, is the first game it comes quite natural uh, i think especially in uh, in in development countries because it's it's a game for everybody and you basically don't need a lot of fancy stuff to play this game right you put stones as a goal and you can even find a bottle of something <laughs> or just something round and you can start playing football with just two teams uh, street football was quite popular at my time uh, and I played um, with my brothers and the boys in the street. Um, I, did, I never thought that this will be something that will play a major role in my life. Uh, just naturally came in my life but uh, when 
I uh, when I grew up and and my my appearance changed from being uh, a, a young girl to more a woman, young woman, and that's where the resistance from society started because in a male-dominated countries and patriarchal cultures, for women, it's everything is decided. The society, the community decide for you as a young girl in a very young age what where you belong to, what you need to do. And that's what I faced uh, when I was told I should be in the kitchen, helping my mom, learning how to make food, and, and just waiting for a man to be, um, to be a bride to a, to a man. And that's what I was. Um, that was shocking for me because I, I come from a very um, uh, open-minded, uh, well-educated family where women and, and men are supported equally. And everything in life starts with a big why. Why you're doing this? And I didn't know that I will become a, an activist or I didn't know any of those. I started all with a question, why? Why do you think I can? I don't belong to, to the community of footballers? Why do you think I cannot play football just because I'm a girl? So that why helped me to understand the bigger challenge that women were facing and girls in in a community were facing it's incredible to hear kind of the obstacles that you faced and the fact that you still were able to stand up and use your voice against those challenges um you you when you came back to kabul in 2002 uh, you were eager to grow women's football and within five years the afghanistan football federation had accepted your team as the women's national team but what kind of obstacles did you face on that journey it, we started in schools so because I was told that I shouldn't play football and when the streets with the boys I had to separate myself so there was a lot of challenges that my brothers and my team as the boys that were playing against uh, with me faced so they had to at some point say I had to say like listen I want to protect you I don't want you to fight continuously with the boys or with the man in the community I have to stop playing with you to protect you um, and then I was like, I'm not giving up. And, and like my my neighbor cannot decide for me where I belong to. I don't like being in the kitchen unless I'm hungry. Um, and maybe my brother likes to, to cook uh, and I don't like to cook. Um, so that's what I keep challenging and, and I keep thinking about, okay, there is, an, there is a problem, but what is the solution? That's my mindset. Uh, when when the, I see a problem, I'm thinking immediately about what is the solution? What can we do to uh, to overcome that challenge? And and I started campaigning um, in my school, and that's how schools started. Um, was like small groups we had. We started campaigning in schools, and school tournaments started. School leagues started, um, and it was not formal. Um, it was all outside the, the Afghanistan Football Federation. And when we had a, uh, enough teams and tournaments, uh, and then we went to Afghanistan Football Federation. The first thing they told us, um, especially the president of Afghanistan Football Federation, that um, we have the man in our, like the man of our country brought enough embarrassment to, um, to, to the country. And they, he was referring to the man's national team that they played, I think, against uh, Iran and they were defeated 20-something. Um, so, and he was kind of saying to us that 
they brought enough um, um, embarrassment for the country. We don't want an extra one, especially women. They, you can Why you're thinking you can you're able to play football? So he kicked us out, and he was very insulting. Um, but I didn't give up. So continued going back and going back until that. Um, and there was the only the the. The way that we kind of managed to navigate was a very smart way. We didn't go there to say, hey, we want this as a movement. We are standing for our right. Because it doesn't work like this in those countries, right? The way it's, it works, things works in Denmark or in Western world. The language should be different. The ways that we we navigate in that culture should be different. And, and that's where um, we found the solution was like, let's talk money. And let's talk about the image. And that is because the Western world was so much interested in Afghanistan and they were involved in Afghanistan. So they were investing. So we went with the case and saying that, listen, um, you will be, the uh, we were referring to Afghanistan, president of Afghanistan Football Federation, that you'll be very famous and you will be liked by the Western world. And you will get enough budget just by including women, women's football into the structure. Because anyways, there is the involvement of Western world. And, and it will happen today or tomorrow. But if you want money and if you want fame, we will do all the work. You take the credit. And also you take the budget and money. It took him a while, but he, he saw his benefit. He saw the case. And that's what was the agreement that he jumped on board and accepted to recognize our league. And and then um, with the support of some of their coaches, uh, and uh, we managed to help and get the first um, uh, um, and find and establish the first Afghanistan women's national team. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. It streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. Schedule package pickups and see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app, you can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up with code PROGRAM for a 4-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's stamps.com. Code program. It's the Kia Summer Sticker Sales Event. So give your friends something to look at. Like a B&B with an ocean view. An endless field of wildflowers. Or a sunset that needs no filter. Make this a summer to share and save with a capable Kia SUV or powerful sedan. See your local Kia dealer or visit Kia.com to learn more. Kia. Movement that inspires. Call 800-334-KIA for details. Always drive safely. Sale applies to purchase of specially tagged 2024 vehicles only. Quantities are limited. Must take delivery by 7824. Life's better with American Family Insurance because our home policies help protect your dreams and come with peace of mind. 
Save up to 25% by bundling home, auto, and life. American Family Insurance. Get a quote, find an agent at amfam.com. Products not available in every state. Discounts may not apply to all coverages on an auto or home policy. Discounts do not apply to life insurance policies. Visit Amfem.com to learn how discounts may apply to you. American Family Mutual Insurance Company, S.I. and its operating companies, American Family Life Insurance Company, 6000 American Parkway, Madison, Wisconsin. I guess with so much opposition to women playing sport, how, how did you play? Where did you train and... Where did you play matches? It was a long journey. Um, we faced so many challenges. Of course, it was not easy, easy. Just the football federation resisting against us. With many times we were we were attacked um, on our way to um, physically attacked. We were harassed and abused. Um, there was continuously um, th- uh, threats against us and our participation. Um, so many challenges uh, that we faced. Um, also, not only the 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 community and the society outside, but also the families were not ready. So, so many of our players had to. They were playing undercover. Um, and and for example, myself, I had to, I had to run away from school and 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 be undercover, just because some of the school teachers were not allowing me. Or, or they were not even, if when they figured out that I, I was playing football, um, I was beaten, um, and I was in in eleventh grade of school, um, by the principal of school just because I the the claims were that I'm promoting a non-Islamic culture, in school or amongst the women of Afghanistan. That was the, the resistance and. But we, we continued because we knew that we are not playing for ourselves. It is for more than just a team or more than football. We are playing for a bigger mission. Um, and that's what the motivation kept us. And we were first given the first um, football pitch we got uh, as a national team. We, it was half, uh, half of the court of tennis court um that's where we were training and we were even not able to to walk <laughs> because it's so it was so packed it was tennis court for 20 people it's like it's nothing that's what that was what we were we were t- we, we got and then later on when we actually proved that we can bring the money to football federation we can also get some recognition and 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 positive news to Afghanistan Football Federation because of all the medias were writing about Afghanistan have a national team and our stories. So then, uh, and also we played and managed to bring happy uh, to to the country. Um, then they give us a football pitch, which was the the target for the terrorists. Um, and it was inside a military compound where there was suicidal attacks. Um, and we were so lucky that many times there was bomb blast. And during our training times, um, and that we were, we were lucky that we survived. My God. Um, I wanted to go back to, you mentioned earlier, your parents being quite open. Um, your mother was a PE teacher, is that correct? Yeah. How how much did they inspire you? 
um, sport has been always part of in our, in our, in our, in our families, like football, badminton. My mom and dad and, and some of the neighbors used to come in our place and play badminton. So it's growing up, seeing them being very much involved in sport, it always inspired me. And the joy that they had when they were playing tennis or uh, badminton, I really enjoyed watching them. So, um, but when when my mom became my teacher, and and when I started playing football, she was the one helping me, providing the equipments, and when I was um, running the uh, the trainings and, and organizing the trainings, she was the one trying to uh, to support me with equipments, encourage me. In some of the courses, I was taking my mom's spot to go and and kind of like take some of the courses. Or, or like in some of the campaigns, for example, she was the one being there because as a young girl, they didn't want to trust me. So I, they wanted some, I, we wanted in our campaign, an adult respected um, and, and teachers in Afghanistan respected. So my mom was there supporting. And sometimes um, when our teammates were not allowed to, to continue playing, and then it was like five of us, including my mom and there was another teacher so we would go in and knocking the door and begging and requesting that father and brother to let our teammate to play and we were really crying and begging so my mom was trying to argue and and get them on board telling them that if it was something bad or something wrong I wouldn't let my daughter to play so she was using those examples. She has been very helpful. And how did they feel when you were experiencing all of these things when you're trying to train and you're trying to play matches? And it must have been, you know, difficult. They want to support you, but obviously it's it's a very scary situation. Obviously, as, as, a, as a parent, you're always protective of your kid. Um In the beginning, when I was playing at school, it was like... Um, with the girls at school, local level, um, they were supportive. And because my mom was there, um, they didn't think that we'll get really, uh, really um, imp- like serious. The, ga- the game become very serious for me and then I would take it to the next level. Um, so when, uh, when we started getting more women and girls and started campaign that was and then started actually using media as a second tool to to challenge some of the system and 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 leadership in uh, in Afghanistan um and that's where they they were scared um they were worried for me and uh, so they were trying their best to kind of like as always they were trying their best to have this balance of like sharing that they are worried but then at the same time they were telling me that that doesn't mean that you should stop because what you're doing is for for those girls um that want to live like you that want to have their rights uh, and they should be allowed to and if you don't do it who will do it at some point someone has to take a and take the initiative someone has to take the leadership um and and my father being very tough sometimes he would say I would look at him and say, like, are you worried? Um, what, what do you think will happen? Because I would receive him uh, 
I was receiving messages that someone wants to kill me or someone wants to rape me if I continue. So these were the messages I was receiving. And um, so my father would say, someone has to take a bullet for others to survive. Um, it, it's a tough one, but at the same time, he, uh, I'm, I'm happy and, and glad and grateful that they never tried to stop me because they knew that this is something that matters a lot for me. And it, it climaxed with you having to make your own evacuation in 2011 when you spoke, you, you spoke there about media, you said on national television that the women's team wasn't getting enough support and, and pinned the blame on corrupt officials. What happened in the days after that interview? I was um, attacked um, by gunmans. Um, there was some bullets were fired. I, should, uh, I, were, I'm, I was very lucky that I... Uh, I managed to survive and I always give the credit to the traffic of Kabul. That's a huge traffic, massive traffic in the roads where I was in the car, um, that the car was um, the way we, and there was some fires, gunfire. Um, yeah, and I managed to run and escape. Um, my family were attacked um, and my brother were injured. Um, um, and unfortunately, um, it was a huge risk towards my life because I couldn't, I couldn't get out and couldn't go anywhere alone. Um, there was direct threats to my life, and um, I knew that this is coming to a uh, to a level that I'll make a shot today or tomorrow or in one hour. Because it was no more about football, it was no more about playing football. It was me um, becoming an advocate, a strong voice, a young woman in a country that for many years women were not allowed to even talk and show their face. And now a young woman sitting there um, and talking about women, inclusion of women's society, about women's rights against the corruption, against the people in who are involved in corruption. That is how the corruption and abuse of power were affecting inclusion of women and girls in the society. Um, so this is something new that the society was not ready to accept. Um, so I, I had to, it was a time that I had to leave um, because it was not the like the gunman wanted to kill me, but also there was blames that I am promoting a non-Islamic um, culture uh, um, in Afghanistan, and that's where it actually provokes people, and that's so dangerous. Um, because still, Afghanistan is a religious country, so. A woman who I didn't like to wear a scarf, of course, and, and and I never spoke against religion. But what a proper Muslim woman they wanted, I did, I wasn't. Um, so it was easy to blame someone like me too, that is promoting non-Islamic uh, culture in Afghanistan, 
in and taking women against Islam and all those things that came together and really provoked people. So I didn't feel safe anywhere. Um, and, and that's why I had to leave um, Afghanistan. There was also um, the police um, that wanted to arrest me. Um, so there were so many um, things that were going against against me um i had to decide and leave without being able to even say goodbye to my team and without and i had few hours before they put ban on 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 my travel from afghanistan and i know it was a a long journey before you you made it to denmark um and you've spoken candidly about your time in asylum in Denmark and I know you you suffered an injury as well and it was a a difficult very difficult time you felt kind of that you'd lost your identity a little bit and I just wonder how important football was to help you I guess find your identity and your voice again while you were there I mean leaving home that you know and 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 people that you feel like belong to and your community and identity that you have built in your country you are someone and then you come to a country as a refugee or asylum seeker or a stateless person so what you face is that whoever you are whatever identity you had and all the networks everything you had you lost you're someone with no identity you're someone with no home you're someone with no network you're someone that knows nothing about the new community or new country that you enter and that's the journey of so many refugees and asylum seekers that come to a new society new country and this is the toughest one and identity crisis is so is it's the the worst thing that happens to any human being um um being in asylum centers it, it's it is very tough environment to be because it's it's negative and it's stressful the unknown situation waiting in a in a refugee camp uh, which is the old military compound or old military base that is now turned to a refugee camp in most of the the um, the European countries, and you're waiting for a decision, someone to take a decision about your life and about you, that and about your future, and that stress cannot let you to sleep, cannot let you to to be to relax, cannot let you to to just be you. And that's what I faced and, and the challenge I faced um, mentally. Um, my mental health was was really not good in the, that time. And and I was going through depression and the refugee centers, going through one to another the refugee centers, missing home, missing family at the same time, going through this interview process of someone investigating you why you you came to our country what do you want why your life was in danger so you have to keep argue with with someone sitting there as an immigration officer 
to tell that person why you why you were to stay in this country, why you you need protection. Uh, and that is traumatizing, re-trauma, the, the trauma that you keep keep bringing. Like you you have to live that story every day, um, and that's a tough one. And so what helped me to go through the process was sport and football. Um, there was a time that I was feeling giving up on my life. I couldn't couldn't manage anymore. I I didn't know anybody, but there was women in the refugee center where she lost her kids in in war, and she had nobody, and she couldn't go through this the process and through this depression, and she tried to suicide. And someone knocked my door in the refugee center and told me, hey, we need a, a, a translator. We need your help. And, and that's where I, I faced that situation. And, and that's, that's where my, the purpose in my life kind of like it reminded me why I started from day one, why I'm here. I didn't play football or I didn't start my purpose is not just to serve the women in Afghanistan or the people of Afghanistan or mm, football can never define me or the national team or all those titles that I got. It's my purpose to support um, and to give help to someone who needs that. And and, and for me, sport is, is and football has been always the tool. So I decided to to actually take the ball and start coaching at the refugee center, and not only football but all sorts of sport to keep women healthy, but also to move to get out of the refugee center, to create this sisterhood, sympathy, and love where we can all go through this together uh, stronger. You're helping them, I guess, find their voice and also find their identity again yes in a way yes and what i try my best to do is that helping people through mentoring and consulting and supporting to 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 help themselves to find the best in themselves because we human being we are all very powerful we are all unique in our own ways and we have power it's not that today I have this certain state, uh, st- um, state uh, status or um, like I'm in a, in a certain places. I, I, I am powerful and someone who doesn't have the same privileges as mine or he or she is not strong enough or powerful. We are all having a unique gift and we are strong in our own way. And all we need to do is to identify what is our purpose what matters for us and how we can use that purpose and power that we have and passion we have to make create change for ourselves but also for others in the community and since i i learned that if you take football if you take all these identities i titles from me you cannot take what makes me happy and that's my purpose one thing that n- nobody can take away from me is my purpose and that keeps me alive. I, th- I thought it'd be worth maybe just touching on some of the 
brilliant work that you're continuing with Right to Dream and Girl Power and, and maybe tell our listeners a little bit about those two projects. Girl Power is a movement and it's a refugee-led organization. Um, we are um, training uh, the young women, uh, we call it young leaders, who wants to um, to become an advocate or activist and want to use their power if it's a sport or it's music or art um, to inspire others to become role models in their communities to give back to the communities that's what we we provide trainings we there's mentorship programs leadership programs that we provide six months of leadership programs um, for a specific selected group of uh, young women and then we also train um provide training and sport activities in refugee centers and asylum centers and in marginalized communities that uh, to build bridges between divided communities. And incredible the expanse and the growth. You must be really proud, I guess, to, to have it across so many parts of the world. Yeah, that's, um, that's the mission that has been always the mission to connect women from around the world, right? Because we are all inspiring each other. And my, like what I want in and what I, my vision is to to create this learning and growth opportunity where a young girl in Nigeria sitting there and having connection and this sisterhood connection with a girl in Afghanistan or in Turkey or somewhere in the refugee center in Denmark. And so that's why our programs have this um, physical um aspect but also digital aspect to connect the uh, women together if you had one message that you would like to send out to some of these girls and women that you're hoping to to reach um what would it be i would say that believe in yourself and and believe in power that you have we are strong um we are strong and we have our unique gift Find out what is that unique gift that you have and how you can contribute in the community to inspire others. I love that. Um, obviously, you've been through a huge amount. Your your journey is incredibly inspiring. Um, and I, I really appreciate you sharing it with us today. Are you hopeful for the future? Are you hopeful that it's going to make a big difference and you're going to have more women with voices and platforms and, and even access to football? Yeah, I am hopeful um, and I'm optimistic and positive about the future, about now as well, because um, people are having access to information. What I'm very hopeful and optimistic about is the younger generation, because um, they are aware and they ask questions, they are brave my time we didn't have access to technology we didn't know about the world we knew only about our local community and the problems in our local community but today we are all connected through a small world and that's our phones and and i'm happy and proud like see example i give you um someone like young there is a young um, a boy and girl i asked why um oh why you're you're kind of boycotting this um brand and then he they were saying is is because they are not environmental friendly and that's a great example and there are so many um examples and media is playing great role in this 
Um, people are aware, especially now that even younger generation are trying their best to not make the boys and girls thing, right? They want more inclusion um, and the mindsets are changing. The old uh, mindsets are changing and that's the hope for the future, future generation. Absolutely. Well, as I said, your story is incredibly inspiring. And I think if we have more people like you, Kalita, there will be a lot of change in the world. Um, so I really appreciate you taking the time to to talk to me. I know our listeners are going to really enjoy this incredibly powerful podcast and, and your story. Thank you so much for giving me the opportunity and the platform. I appreciate it. What an incredible story. And thanks again to Kalita for speaking with us. It was a privilege to chat with her. And I hope you've taken plenty away from that interview too. Thank you for listening. Chloe and I are back on Tuesday to discuss the return of the WSL. In the meantime, you can find us on Instagram and X at morgie underscore 89. I'm at girls on the ball and we're at upfront underscore pod. You can also find us on YouTube at upfront pod. See you next week. Upfront is a stack production and part of the Acast Creator Network.